I'm Dan Clawson, and this is The Zealous Podcast, where everything we do is to inspire and equip the body of Christ for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generations. In this episode, we will be discussing the importance of biblical literacy, and specifically within the context of children today. I will be joined by Jill Nelson, author and the director of content development with Truth78. And we pray that this is a fruitful conversation for you as a listener and are so grateful to have you be a part of it. Jill, welcome again for joining us on the Zealous Podcast. And I am very happy to be here today. Very good. Well, let's just go straight to it. In your book titled From Childhood You Have Known, there's a powerful quote from Albert Moeller, and he says this, we will not believe more than we know. And we will not live higher than our beliefs. The many fronts of Christian compromise in this generation can be directly traced to biblical illiteracy in the pews and the absence of biblical preaching and teaching in our homes and churches. This generation must get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy. And Jill, I'm interested from your perspective as an author of Next Generation Discipleship Resources, many of our curriculum here at True 78, as a mom, as a grandma, and someone who has taught and been involved in teaching the children the gospel now for decades in your home and in the local bodies that you've belonged to. Where and how have you seen this problem of biblical illiteracy in the church and home today? Well, I think it became most apparent um, 35 years ago when I started teaching in the classroom of a very biblically solid church, excellent expository preaching from the pulpit, robust Bible courses in Sunday school for adults. But when I went in to teach children, there wasn't a Bible in sight. And curriculum we were using didn't even require a teacher to use a Bible. So you would walk in, you would literally walk into children's Sunday school classes and Bibles weren't even visible throughout the elementary ages. And just in Christian homes, seeing how little priority was given to biblical teaching within the home. So both in the church and in the home, there just was an absence of serious commitment to teaching the Bible. And I think we're seeing it even in churches today, um, talking with different teachers, visiting other churches. It's still becoming a problem that biblical teaching in the classroom is minimized. And it's not necessarily that the Bible is absent now, visibly absent, but you could have an hour and a half Sunday school classroom and only maybe 15 minutes of that time is actually given over to Bible teaching. So again, it's not that the Bible is necessarily invisible now, but biblical teaching is still minimized, even in the home. Life is busy. You know, there's sports activities, there's right. academic activities, there's all these things. Yeah. I think parents aren't being inspired and equipped about the need to prioritize biblical teaching in their homes. Yeah, and to be just completely frank, before we move on, because many listeners are probably running or driving or listening to this, and they're nodding their head, and they're, they say, yes, 
But we're not just saying that there's a problem here. Like Albert Moeller said, and we quoted, we need to be deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy. So Jill, why does biblical literacy then really matter? Well, years ago at Bethlehem Baptist Church, John Piper was doing a series on education for exaltation. And one of the things, there's a quote that has stuck with me for years. He said, we know God through the book. We meet Christ in the book. We see the cross in the book. Our faith and love are kindled by the glorious truths of the book. We have tasted divine majesty of the word and are persuaded that the book is God's inspired and infallible written revelation. Therefore, what the book teaches matters. In other words, if our children are ever going to come to salvation and be faithful disciples of Christ, they need the Bible. You cannot love, treasure, honor, trust, worship that which you do not know. In the booklet, our key passage of scripture is from 2 Timothy 3, where Paul reminds Timothy, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's our greatest calling on our lives as parents, as members of the church, is to pass on the sacred writings to our children and to the next generation, because it's the means by which God has provided to acquaint them with who he is and what he's like and the means of salvation. So it matters for their eternal joy. Amen. I agree. And before we get to solutions, which we pray are going to be helpful and fruitful for our listeners, we keep talking about this idea of biblical literacy. I think it'd be helpful for us to hear how you define biblical literacy. And maybe even if you share with us, why do you define it the way you do? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. I would define it as acquainting our children with the breadth, depth, and authority of Scripture so that they would come to know, honor, treasure the God of the Bible, setting their hope in Christ alone, and be trained and equipped to live as his faithful disciples for the glory of God. Now, that's a mouthful, I understand, but I think defined as such, What it gets at is biblical literacy is really about heart transformation, spiritual transformation, resulting in repentance of sin, trusting in Christ as your greatest treasure, walking in newness of life, loving God and submitting to his ways. So in a sense, biblical literacy is the wood and fuel of Christian discipleship and Lord willing by the power of the Holy Spirit, he sets it aflame in regeneration. So it's much more than just having children read the Bible, study the Bible. It's not simply an academic pursuit. It's leading children towards salvation, toward trusting Christ, toward walking in his ways and living life 
in worship of God and for his glory. Yeah, and Jill, I think once again, we're all saying, amen, let's pursue that. And what's really helpful specifically for me in your book, From Childhood You Have Known, is you provide 10 foundational priorities, what you call priorities for guiding children to understand and treasure the Bible. And those are helpful to me to frame and to for me to say, am I purposeful in these things towards what you just spoke about? We pray the salvation of our children and the right worship that our God deserves. And just briefly, I'm going to share those 10 with our listeners and just remind myself again of these things. To one, impress upon children a reverence for the holy nature of the Bible. Two, demonstrate a genuine delight in God's word. Three, have a long-term strategy for acquainting children and youth with the entire Bible. Four, emphasize the whole counsel of God. And five, to teach children to rightly read and interpret scripture by equipping them with age-appropriate Bible study skills. The sixth priority you mentioned in this guiding our children to understand and treasure the Bible is to guide and implore children to rightly respond to and apply God's word. Seven, to instill in children the need for humble dependence on the Holy Spirit as they read and study the Bible. Number eight, integrate and connect biblical truth to all of life. Number nine, foster a partnership that promotes biblical literacy in both home and church. And number 10, devote and prioritize the necessary time required to do points one through nine. And as we know, when there's a list, we should pay attention to the list. And usually number one matters on the list. So Jill Nelson, can you help us understand why is number one impressing upon children a reverence for the holy nature of the Bible? Well, scripture is like nothing else. The Bible is like nothing else. It's totally unique. It is the God of the universe communicating to us. As John Piper said, God has given us a book like no other. And our children need to understand, you know, my grandkids love stories. Their houses are filled with hundreds of storybooks. Our children are going to, in their lifetime, be exposed to thousands of stories. And we need to impress upon them that there is one book that is like no other. That is God's special revelation. So we need to make very clear from the very beginning that the Bible is completely truthful. It's inerrant. We need to give them a sense of the authority of the Bible. It's one thing to tell children, you know, read the Bible. It's another thing to have them see themselves under the authority of the word. This word is authoritative for their life. And so when we read it, it's not God asking you, do you want to do this? This is the sovereign creator telling them, you must repent and believe the good news. There's a weight and authority. They need to understand the clarity of scripture the necessity of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture, and how we communicate that is very important. One of the things I really appreciate at my church is our pastor, before he begins his expository preaching, he will read the scripture he's going to be preaching from. He'll read it, and then he'll say, this is God's word. Just impressing upon us that this is not man's word, this is God's word. 
And I think in our demeanor and how we interact with the Bible, we need to impress upon our children that reverence, that respect. Many times in the classrooms, I've actually stopped a lesson when I saw children being flippant with their Bibles or tossing it around. One day, I actually even brought into classroom a, a DVD of a new movie that came out, a kid's movie. And I took the DVD out of the package and I threw it on the ground and stepped on it. The kids were just, ah, why did you do that, Mrs. Nelson? That's special, you know? It's, and I said, this is nothing compared to how special the Word of God is. And how we treat our Bibles, how we open them, when we open them, we should be amazed and in awe of the treasure we have in our hands. And so I think that's a starting point. It sets the tone of biblical literacy, of viewing God's word as holy, <laughs> utterly unique. And that's why I do get concerned. You know, a lot of Bibles marketed to children now look like comic books. What does that communicate to children? Will that help them be more in awe of the holy nature of God's word or less in awe? Or if we just constantly communicate most of all that, you know, the Bible's just a story. It's a story. It's a story. Well, that's true in one sense, but it's much more than a story. It's God's holy word. And we must listen to it and obey it. Yeah, that's an interesting thought of just even valuing, obviously, the, the physical word. And my family were at on our sitting around our dinner table last night, and there was a thought and something earlier in the day. So I brought my Bible out, had it on the table, and our son, who's 15, had this tall glass full of red, some kind of uh, like an energy, like a sports kind of drink liquid. And it was like two inches away from my Bible. And I was like, bro, can you move that? I would not want that to get on my Bible. You know how important this is to me. Just a purely relational, small moment. I didn't even think about it in that moment. But I'm encouraged by what you shared that maybe by God's grace, even last night was a a little deposit in my children's lives and hearts that we have a high view of God's word. So if we could, let's just get like super practical for a few moments. I know those 10 priorities are contained basically in the first half of From Childhood You Have Known. And then there's really a part two to that title where you get into the equipping and training. And then that, along with some new released titles, the inductive Bible study handbook, as an example, and meeting God and his word. Can you share some practical ways those books outline to help grow our children's biblical literacy? Well, in the second part of From Childhood You Have Known, it really gets very practical. From preschool to teens, it gives age-appropriate goals for reading and studying the scripture. Practical tools, not only for in the classroom, but that parents could use at home. In other words, what are some main ideas, main content, main Bible study skills children can learn at different ages? Additionally, Meeting God in His Word is a great resource it's basically a Bible reading plan for children with lots of additional helps in there. Just getting in the children in the habit of reading the Bible with age-appropriate goals. And you can mark off their reading as they go, but it also gives helps in 
how to read the Bible, what does the Bible say about itself, how you pray the Bible before and after you read, how do you meditate on the Bible, just very helpful tool, especially for the home. And then the inductive Bible study handbook helps parents and teachers guide students in how to study the Bible in depth. So you could give this to a teen to help them, but I think it's more practical to use for a mentor or a teacher or parent. It helps walk students and children, older children, in how to actually sit down and study a passage of scripture, giving very specific inductive Bible study skills that they can walk through. So these two things, they help children to read the Bible, help them to study the Bible. Well, Jill, we've covered quite a bit here in a short period of time. How would you encourage our listeners today, whether it's someone in maybe a formal ministry role, could be a parent, a grandparent, in taking up whatever role they have, but take that up within this pursuit of biblical literacy of our children, the next generation? One of the things that weighs on my mind the older I get is we're discipling the next generation with the throne room in mind. Someday our children, our students, our grandchildren, they are going to meet King Jesus. We need to prepare them for that day. And how we prepare them to meet Jesus is by feeding them the word over and over again, imploring them to trust Christ, to walk in his ways. That's why the Albert Muller said, deadly serious. This is more important than what they pursue as a career. This is more important than they get academic A's. It's more important. This, as much as you care about feeding your child physical food for their life-sustaining needs, they need to be fed the word of God. It's not only our sacred responsibility, but it's our great privilege to bask them in the word of God. He has given us a book to know him and to love him and treasure him. So their serious joy is at stake. So whatever we can do to feed our children the word and pray, and then pray that God by the Holy Spirit would bring it aflame for their joy. Amen. And just now for a moment, just as an elder in the local body, I serve my family and I serve and worship the Lord in and a husband, a, a father, myself. I just thinking back to in 2 Timothy 3, the section of scripture you started our time with this idea of, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted and I just want to ask the men and myself as leaders in, in the church and home, have we done this? Should our children continue in what we've already done? Is it true that from childhood they've been acquainted with the sacred writings? And by God's grace, if not, now today's the day. And if a dad is listening, doesn't know where to start, meet with a pastor, grab another godly guy in your life and just start with a, a place in the scriptures, one idea, this is for us to take up. 
And I do pray, I am with you, Jill. I'm thankful for this content you've written. It's Christ exalting, it's biblical, it's accurate, it's God honoring. And I pray that we do take this charge to have children who are biblically literate for their joy and for the glory of our great King. He is worthy of their worship. And we cannot worship, to your point, that which we do not know. So Lord, help us in this pursuit. And uh, Jill, you are always an amazing gift to my life and faith and parenting and those of the listeners. So thank you for your wealth of wisdom and just always a great encouragement to have you with us. Friends listening, if you would like to take some steps now towards what we've been speaking about, intentionally focusing on biblical literacy with the children in your home, in your family, in your church, please visit truth78.org for the resources we mentioned, or you can link, however you're listening to the, this podcast, you can get linked to those in the show notes, the resources we mentioned today. Now, may the Lord grant us to be zealous together that the next generations may know, honor, and treasure God, setting their hope in Christ alone so that they will live as faithful disciples for the glory of God.